You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. We've been talking about this idea of, of, of learning what it truly means to follow uh, Jesus, this idea that your faith is not a cause, it's a calling, it's who you are. You're, like your, your, your faith is what makes makes you up it, it's 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 what it's what you are and and, and we we've uh we've jumped into this passage i would actually say that this is the most um one of the most top three maybe intense passages uh that jesus says in matthew chapter 16 uh because he really pulls no punches in this passage and and so we uh, this entire conversation that Jesus goes into, it started with him sharing with his disciples that his calling was about to be fulfilled. It was about to take place. He was about to die on the cross, uh, stay dead, rise again on, th- on third day, ascend into heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father. And he, and he was letting his disciples know, hey, I'm about to fulfill the Father's will for my life. And then as you read, and that's verse 21 of Matthew 16, verse uh, 22, I believe, Peter is like, Jesus, no, don't do that. That's a bad business plan. We actually don't want you to die. We'd love for you to just hang out with us. You're 33. You're still a young man. Oh, come on, Motown. Focus, John. That ain't Jesus. Um, (laughs) um, What was I saying? Was that? Jesus 33. That actually had nothing to do with my notes. But, <clears throat> but Peter's like, hey, Jesus, don't die. Like, stay, like we want you. And this is where Jesus uh, famously says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. And, um, and then verse 24 is the weightiness of this passage. I believe the, the, the meat of this message. And I believe we'll have it on screen. It's Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Come on. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. We talked about this last week. He said, I am. Then he goes on to say this. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. That's what we're going to talk about this week. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Follow me and I'll show you how. Let's just pray one more time and we'll jump into the message. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. God, I thank you. that that through your word you can teach us. And so we thank you for that. God, we know that because we read it in scripture that your word is only as good as our soil of our heart. So it could be the best message ever, but if our heart is not right, it will produce nothing. And so God, I would rather... I'd rather ask for a sucky message in good heart condition than a great message in poor heart condition. And so, God, would you just check our hearts right now? 
God, we want your word to produce something. God, we want to change, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. Come on, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, I have a question for you right off the bat. Have you ever, uh, have you ever met someone who likes to suffer for no reason? It's kind of weird, right? Like, trust me, they're out there. <laughs> There's people who like to suffer for no reason. I don't understand them. I don't. In fact, there was this one guy in, when I was in college back in 1850. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, back when I was in college on our dorm floor, um, there was this one, one guy. He, he had a bottle of the hottest hot sauce at the time. And he was going around to, to different, knocking on doors like, that's better. He's like, hey, I dare you to drink this, right? And he's going, he's going, like, and he gets to, like, my room, and I'm like, dude, you're dumb. Like, why? I would never do that. I would never suffer for no reason. It's crazy. And then he finally found this one guy named Brandon. And Brandon, he was, like, one of those guys that's, like, not all there. Um, <laughs> And, 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 and not because, like, he's not all there, uh, like, neurog, neural, neur, neuro, like, here he's not, it's not like, <laughs> Bill Nye over here, <laughs> the science guy is trying to figure out what he's trying to say. There it is. And so, he, he just, he's just not, he's not there because he's, like, he's all about, like, like karate and lift, and weight, lift, weight lifting, lift getting strong okay and and so 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 like he's get it out yeah so so he's uh he's like oh, I'll do it like he's the guy that's like when he wants to get hyped up he'll like hit his head on the wall right he's like yeah, yeah. blood yeah and he's like uh, he's just crazy like he's the guy that you want to go to battle with <laughs> he's not the guy that you just want to like hang out with he's just intense and so they get to this guy Brandon and they're like he's like oh, I'll do it so he takes this bottle and he screams to the camera. Whoa, my God. He's like. And as he's doing it, his face is turning red. He's like, and everyone's like, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Everyone's getting really hyped, right? And here he is. He, he's, he's drinking it. He finishes it. By the time he's done, everyone's like, oh, Brandon, you're the man. And Brandon's like, yeah. Right? Like, that was head, hitting a head on the wall. Um, and he, he's like, and everyone's just like, oh, Brandon, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, fast forward a couple hours. I find out poor Brandon gets rushed to the emergency room to get his stomach pumped <laughs> because clearly you're not supposed to do that. And, uh, and so, like, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about how Brandon, like, how he was willing to suffer for no purpose. There was no reason to do that. Brandon, you don't drink, you don't chug hot, co hot cocoa? Hot sauce. <laughs> you probably don't do that to hot chocolate either. But I do want to say this. Like, I am all about hot sauce, right? Like, I love... I love the hottest stuff and like a carne asada burrito. 
with extra sour cream and extra cheese. And uh, just like I, like, I can eat, I can eat that. I can eat that. Because I feel like if I'm going to suffer, it's going to be for a purpose. Because it's going to make my burrito taste a lot better. Like, I will take the hot stuff and put it on my, my chicken wings. Notice how it's all meat. And, uh, <clears throat> and like, I will, I will eat that chicken. I'll eat that chicken wing with hot sauce on it because I'll, I'm willing to suffer for a purpose. What I am not willing to do is suffer for no purpose. And I think it's very important to distinguish the two because if we don't, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, uh, if we don't learn to distinguish the two, we read what Jesus says where he says, don't run from suffering, embrace it. And we, we, we automatically think, oh wait, Jesus wants me to suffer? And so we read this, this, what Jesus is saying, and, and, and we, we begin to think, like, he's like, he wants us to run towards suffering. And so we're like, oh, wait, Jesus, he, doesn't, he wants me to just to suffer for the rest of my life? He never wants me to be satisfied. <laughs> And if we're not careful, we read verse 24 as if Jesus is telling us to run towards suffering. But I think, and I'll explain why I believe this, I think Jesus is talking, he, he's not telling his disciples, he's not telling you or me, his followers, he's not telling us to run towards suffering. But what I believe the statement in which Jesus is, is referring to, is what, I believe what he's saying is that we don't, he's not asking us to run towards it, but he is asking us to run through it if necessary. There's a difference. See, one is like pursuing it. The other one's like, okay, if I have to, in order to get to my purpose, I'll go through it. See, I will, like, I will suffer for a purpose, but I will not suffer for nothing. And so Jesus is saying, hey, don't run from suffering. Embrace it. This idea that if you have to face suffering, don't look at suffering and be like, ah, man, forget it. It's not worth it. I'm done. See, there's something about pain that produces progress. The, 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 there's something about pain that produces progress. Like we see it through with bodybuilders. The, there's something, the pain that they, this threshold that they have to go past in order for them to get bigger, in order for them to progress. We see this in school. Like we have to do tests that are hard and uncomfortable, but they help us progress to the next stage. There's something, there's something about pain that produces Progress, but if I see pain, if I see suffering the wrong way, I'll see suffering as punishment rather than progress. And the moment that I see is the moment I see suffering as punishment rather than progress is the moment that I, I, I make a conscious decision that I won't go past the threshold of my pain. 
And that's the moment where I say I'm done. I'm not going to do this any further. But Jesus says this amazing statement in the verse 24. He says, don't run from it, embrace it. And we got to understand the context of what he's saying this too is because in verse 21, he, he said, hey, I'm about to die on the cross. I'm about to endure suffering beyond imagination. But I'm willing to embrace it so that. So that I can fulfill my calling. We bring it back to, to what we're saying is, is that he's not asking us, he's not telling his disciples to run towards it, but he's telling them to embrace it. He, he's telling them to, hey, if you need to embrace the suffering, the pain, so that you can progress to your purpose. And so, as long as I see my suffering without purpose, I'll always be willing to stop short. Now, someone who understands this idea of suffering uh, that we read in the Bible outside of Jesus is this man named Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, he's a phenomenal guy. He, he actually was, he, he was one of... Uh, the top guys in the Jewish religious sect that that um, that would persecute Christians, and so here is Paul. He's doing his thing. He's persecuting Christians. He's on the road to Damascus because he actually is going to be persecuting more Christians. And on his way to Damascus, he has an encounter with Jesus, and uh, this one encounter with Jesus changes him forever. Changes him forever. And all of a sudden, Paul is now on the verge of a new purpose. He's doing something new. And, and so we're going to read in Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at a portion of, of a Paul's life where in order for him to get to where God wanted him, he has to endure a bit of suffering. And so because Paul is going, to, going around and he's, he's, he's spreading the gospel, the news of Jesus, uh, he, because he's doing that, the religious leaders are upset. They're, they're mad. And so they bring Paul to trial, and, and uh, Paul stands before them, and he's like, hey, I, I'm glad that, that, you're, that, that I'm on trial, but I don't want to talk to you. I want to actually talk to Caesar. I want to talk to the top top. And, and, and so, so they're, they're like, okay, we're going to send you to Caesar to, uh, to plead your case. And, the, and so they put Paul and some prisoners on this ship, and, and, and they sail to Rome in perhaps the worst time of year possible. And that's where we're going to start reading, Acts chapter 27 and verse 18. Here it is. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Verse 19. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun in the stars until at last all hope was gone. And so here they are. They're, they're, they, they're, they're on their ship. They're headed to, uh, for Paul to, to plead his clay case in front of Caesar and they hit a storm. They're, they're in this storm 
In fact, it's multiple storms. And uh, the storms are so bad that they begin taking their cargo and throwing it overboard. This is actually called jettison. It's a real thing, but it's, it's a last resort thing. So it's, it's when all else fails, you know nothing else to do. No, you don't know what else to do. You just you throw stuff off the ship to lighten the load so that you don't sail or sink, so that you don't sink. And so they begin to do that. They're, it's the last resort. They got nothing else. They're throwing things overboard. And then uh, we read from the author, Luke, he says that it lasted days. And then he says that the storm was so bad that it was blotting out the sun and stars until all hope was gone. And I was reading that, and I, I began wondering if there's anyone that can relate to that. If there's anyone that can relate to being in a moment where they're suffering, and, and suffering can be, it varies from person to person. But I wonder if anyone can relate to this idea of suffering, and you're like, okay, it's just going to be for a little bit, but like the storms keep happening. In fact, the storms don't just keep happening, but they keep progressing. And as they progress, you're, you're sitting in life and, and you're noticing that, that the stars are blotted out. The sun is blotted out like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And you find yourself just sitting there. <sighs> Hopeless. In fact, it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. Now, if that's you, we're going to look at what Paul does, how Paul responds. I believe he shows us three things, three ways that Paul saw suffering. And I think that if we can, if we can embrace these things, that it can help us endure the suffering so that it's suffering for a purpose. And it's not pointless. Come on. I want purpose suffering, not pointless suffering. And so here it is, verse 22 of Acts chapter 27. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. You're so encouraging. <clears throat> oh, man. <clears throat> For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. So God spoke it. He's like, don't worry. You're going to be, you're going to be able to stand trial in front of Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness, I love that. God in his goodness has granted safety. To everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. Come on, somebody. It will be just as he said. They're excited. Woo! And then they get to the next verse. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. And so three ways Paul saw suffering. Here's the first one. 
He understood God's character. He understood God's character. So in Paul's attempt to encourage his shipmates, his crew members, in order to encourage them, what he said was he, he, he set the foundation of the situation. He, he built it on the character of God. Right? Because he says this. He says this. He said, God in his goodness. God in his goodness. See, in that moment, Paul is defining one of the characteristics of who God is. He said, God in his goodness. He's establishing who God is before the worst ever happens. He's establishing who God, he's establishing, excuse me, the character of God before they ever get shipwrecked. Before the worst ever happens, he's building a foundation on the character of God. God in his goodness. See, this is so important because a misinterpretation of God's character will lead you to a misunderstanding of his motives. And so if I misunderstand his character, I'm going to misunderstand his motives. So if I don't first build a foundation on God's character, I will always see the suffering in the wrong light. I will always see it as God angry at me, as God being angry at me. I will always see it as God uh, getting payback on me. I will always see it as like I, I fell out of luck with God. If I don't see and understand his character, I will always misinterpret his motives. And so Paul, before, before they crash, he's establishing one of God's characters. I think that we need to begin to establish God's character in the boat before we crash. I think we have the tendency of crashing then thinking, wait, what was God's character? Was he good or angry? Was he bitter or better? I don't remember. We have to establish God's character now so that we're ready for the suffering. So how do we do that? How do, how do we establish God's character? I'm glad you asked. We establish it. Watch this. It's going to blow your mind. By spending time with him. Some people, this is a side note. I've heard that some people, um, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <clears throat> I'm not going to say it. Say it, say it, say it. Okay, okay. <laughs> like we have this reputation of a church of, of not being, uh, not having like meaty messages. Of, of, of. This is a seeker-friendly church. That this is a church that, that only new Christians come to. Because, because uh, we, give, um, we give practical advice. And um, it just, it's amazing to me that people, I think that the reason that people um, 
don't like our style of church is because it's so applicable that it actually has to keep you accountable to what you learn. And so, um, so <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> and so, how do we? How do we? How do we? Uh, how do we establish God's character? We do it in the private. We do it in our quiet time. We do it in prayer. Shameless plug: twenty-one days of prayer. You want to learn God's character? Jump in with the fasting. Jump in with the praying. Jump in with the devotion. Daily devotions. I love it because he's building a foundation. He said, God, in his goodness, granted us safely. And then he says, for I believe, God, it will be just as he said. For I believe, God, that it will be just as he said. Listen, they were able to endure because of the foundation, the promise is built on. And so that's the first one. Paul, he understood God's character. Here's the second thing. And for all you religious people, just smile and just laugh, okay? <clears throat> so number two, first one, he understands, he understood God's character. Number two, he understood ship happens. He said, he said, we'll make it to the other side, but we're going to crash. What? He said, here's what's crazy. The verse right before, he's like, God in his goodness. That was me just preaching to myself. He said, God in his goodness. He'll do what he said he'll do, for I believe God. And then they crash. This is crazy because what it tells me is that God's character is not subjected to my seasons. God's character is not subjected to my seasons that sometimes shipwrecks happen. Sometimes shipwrecks happen. Sometimes things don't go the way that I planned. Sometimes I have to go through things that I don't want to. Sometimes answers, God's answering my prayers are slower than what I want. Sometimes I have to go through a little negativity. But it's not, God is not surprised because ship happens. Shipwrecks happen. And when I can learn to embrace that, I don't, I, I no longer, I, I, I no longer view God as like, God, I'm so angry at you. You failed me. Because it happens. Life happens. It doesn't make what you've gone through easy. It doesn't make it fair. But if I have built my foundation on his character, that God in his goodness, if I can build myself and prepare myself, then whenever 
shipwrecks happen, I got to say that slow. When that happens, I can go back to God's character. I can go back to reminding myself that God in his goodness, he loves me. God in his goodness. And so Paul, he's seeing suffering a different way. Because if we can see suffering in the right way, we don't have to see it as, as detrimental, but as something that progresses us. We don't have to see it as punishment, but as progress. So the, uh, number one, he understood God's character. And time's going by quick, my goodness. Uh, number two, he understands shipwrecks happen. And number three, and the keys can come up right now. And this is, this is probably my, my favorite one right here. Is that he understood brokenness counts. He understood that brokenness counts. Let's read uh, Romans 27 verse 39. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards shore. But they hit, a sh uh, they hit some and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the wave and began to break apart. Verse 42. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard and make, and make it for land. I, I, I want to focus on that. He ordered all who could j swim to jump overboard first and make it for land. Well, that's great for those that can swim, but what about everyone else? He goes on to say, the others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. Number three, he understood brokenness counts. So the, 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 it's, it's, it's last, it's, it's like they're about to crash. And Paul is like, hey, for those of you that can swim, jump overboard and swim. So there's some people that are like, yeah, they swim, sure. But then there were some people on the boat who, who did not know how to swim or maybe they weren't uh, they weren't great at swimming. We don't know, but there were, there were a group of people who were not able to swim, so they had to hold on to the broken pieces of the boat. And I was reading that, and, and, and it dawned on me this idea that not everybody is at the same place in their walk with Jesus. There are some people that, man, they could swim. When they're going through hell, when they're going through their season of suffering, man, they just swim through it. They're like, God is good. God in his goodness. And, we're not, and they're swimming and they're kicking and we're like, what you're going through? What? You just, what? You just got that test back and what? And they're like, God is good. God is good. God is, they're swimming. And then there's people like me. Who's like, I want to swim, but I can't. And so like I'm holding on to things, trying to stay afloat. Like, why is this happening? Oh, wait. 
God is good. But why is this happening? And we're treading water and we're be listen, everyone's on their different season of life in their spirit. And here's the people, the people like me who hold on to the planks, who hold on to the debris. We look at the people who are swimming. And we're like, I want to be like them. Why can't I swim? Like, I want to be like that person over there who, who is swimming and smiling. We're in a pandemic. Why are you smiling? We're supposed to be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Emails are coming this week, everybody. <laughs> and they're swimming, right? And we're looking at them like, why can't I swim like them? But what we don't understand is that no one starts off swimming. No one starts off swimming. The people that are able to swim have done their time in the water, treading water. The people who are able to swim, they've done their time trying to figure out how to swim the shore. They've spent so much time in the water that they're like, hey, I got the hang of it. They didn't get there from the very beginning. They had to start. They had to start with holding on to the broken pieces. Listen. Don't despise your brokenness. You hold on to that. I know that divorce hurt. I know that loss stunk. But brokenness counts. I know losing that house was hard. Losing that business, losing that job. It was difficult. But brokenness counts. That God wants to restore the brokenness. He wants to use that broken, that broken ship, that broken vessel. He wants to use it. And he wants you to be able to recall on that in the past. To remember that I was in the water before. I've held on to the peace. And God brought me to shore. So if he can do it, if he's done it before, maybe he can do it again. Brokenness counts. Maybe, just maybe, let me try to swim a little bit now. This, oh no, 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 it's, I can't, I can't. That's okay. Brokenness counts. Next suffering you go through, remember God in his goodness. God in his goodness, God in his kindness, God in his faithfulness. 
And if he's done it in the past, maybe he'll do it again. And I'm going to try to swim just a little bit more. And I'm going to try to swim. Listen, you don't just start off swimming. You start off with the brokenness. Don't despise the brokenness. Don't despise the brokenness. The last part of verse 44 said, everyone escapes safely to the shore. I want to read one more verse and then we're done. The online crowd's probably getting bored. (laughs) Don't you know I could only watch Facebook for like... There's another email. (laughs) We're having church in here, but. I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray. If you can just bow your head, close your eyes. Because I believe this verse is going to speak to someone this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before the generous God, there's his character, who has great plans, there's his promise, for us in Christ, those who are believers, eternal and glorious plans they are. It won't be long Before he will have you put together and on your feet for good. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, don't run from suffering. Embrace it. We just got to see suffering in the right light, the light, the right frame. Thank you for listening to Message Rewind. Come back every Monday night at 5 p.m. to hear the latest message from Discovery Church.